the house seemed quiet. Perhaps the snow was causing travel problems. She was glad her kids were already in. She'd heard them arrive earlier and imagined them slouched on the couch in the basement flat, watching TV. She had a rule about finishing homework before switching on the set. But it was nearly the end of term, and today she wasn't going to push it. Climbing the stairs, she thought she heard the front door opening. But stopping to listen, there was no other sound. It must be the wind rattling the letterbox. She could always tell when the wind was northerly because of that particular noise. The airing cupboard was on the attic landing, between Margaret's room and the shelf where she placed extra sachets of coffee and tea, a tin of homemade biscuits. Beside the shelf was a small fridge with a carton of fresh milk inside. There were hospitality trays in each of the rooms, but she liked her guests to feel welcome. It was the small touches that brought them back. They certainly didn't come for the location. There was little that was attractive about Harbour Street. An arched window looked out across Malcolm's yard and beyond the fisheries to the sea. It was still snowing. She saw the flakes billow in a triangle of light shed by the street lamp. Out at sea, a light boy flashed red. Her husband had worked on the rigs, and she still felt a mixture of guilt and grief when she thought of the vast space beyond her doorstep. Kate stood for a moment and listened to the music in her head. She coaxed the tune to life, hummed it. A song for winter, clear and spare. For love in winter. And again she thought of Stuart and the unlikely infatuation that had hit her in middle age. She was breathless and astounded aware that at this moment she'd sacrifice everything for her new man. He was more important than Ryan's nightmares, his prowling through the neighbourhood at night like a feral animal, unable to sleep, his occasional outbursts of temper. More important than Chloe's exam results and her terrifying ambition. Stuart, old and wiry, more like a mountaineer than a musician, had brought Kate back to life. On her way back to the flat, she bumped into George Enderby by the front door. He had snowflakes clinging to his woolen overcoat, and his big, good-natured face beamed down at her. What do you think, Kate? Snow for Christmas? The kids will be excited. He had one of those rich, posh southern voices that made her think of a politician or an actor. Kate thought that her kids were super cool these days, and they'd consider building snowmen to be beneath them. But George was so innocent with his fantasy of a perfect family life that she couldn't disabuse him. Yeah, she said. George worked as a publisher's rep, and he travelled with a big wheelie suitcase full of books. Often he left copies for her children. Chloe liked some of them, the thick ones about other worlds, but although Ryan pretended to be interested, he wasn't a great reader. He took the books in order to please... At the back of Kate's mind, there was always a niggle of anxiety about Ryan. He was no real trouble, but despite his easy smile, she suspected he was unhappy, and she wasn't sure what she could do about it. And there were occasional flashes of temper that reminded her of Rob. But Harbour Street took up all her time, and her energy, and Stuart took up all her dreams. Ryan had stopped talking to her years before. She told herself that the boy was still young and that kids were complicated and never confided in their parents. 
George had a wife, but they'd never had any children. He'd told her that once. He told her a lot of things during late nights as he took his usual nightcap in the visitor's lounge. He'd sip whiskey and she'd look at her watch and wonder when he'd go to bed. She ran the guest house pretty much by herself. There was only Margaret to help in the kitchen, and the last few days she hadn't been much use. Have you had a good day, George? She knew that business was tough for him. He'd confided that too. I wouldn't know what to do, Kate, without my work. Books are what I live and breathe. She'd sensed he didn't need to work to earn a living. He had that laid-back confidence and careless attitude to money that comes with being born rich. She thought he wasn't happily married, though even when he was very drunk, he was never unpleasant about his wife. My Diana is a marvel, he'd say. A wonderful woman.